uh, have you open your scriptures uh, and your Bible to Matthew chapter 6 to start off today. We're going to end with a victory cry. We're going to end with praising God and thanking God. So smile, you're at church. Turn to your neighbor and say, smile, you're at church. Get, get happy. We're good. Normally what I do is I like to read all of my text and then come back and teach the truth that the Holy Spirit has for you today. But I'm going to take my time and we're going to go one scripture at a time. And then I'm going to read the scripture, teach read the scripture, teach. We're going to go back and forth between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So if there's three books that you want to mark, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes. If you're in Ephesians, you went the wrong way and you're a new believer. Go the other direction. Go to the New Old Testament and and, and go uh, past Psalms and Proverbs and you'll find Ecclesiastes, okay? And then... Timothy and Haggai. Haggai's also in the Old Testament. Timothy, 1 Timothy, is in the New Testament. So I want you to go to those books if you can. If not, no worries. We're going to help you. I want you to take good notes because we believe in taking good notes because we take what God says to us seriously. So as the Holy Spirit speaks to you and gives you a word, shows you a scripture, write it down. And so we want you to take it seriously because God's got something for you. And then we also uh, want you to continue to be expressive. You know, it's okay to say amen. In fact, everybody go ahead and give me a good amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, We're not to the handkerchief portion of this service yet, but we will probably get there. Uh, This is going to be a powerful Sunday. Last Sunday, we talked about um, breaking bondage. And I started the sermon way in the back, and you couldn't see me. You couldn't see where you're used to seeing me or where you're expecting to see me. I was on a journey. I'm on a, I'm on a journey. Say, I'm on a journey. Sometimes we, we're not where we used to be, but we're not exactly where we're going to be. And so we're somewhere in between and we have to have patience for ourselves, but continue to keep taking strides in the right direction. I don't have the comforts of where I was, but I also don't have the fulfillment of where I'm going. And so we have to have this patience and peace in the midst of our process. And even while others are walking through their journey, we have to have patience. Will you have, pat- will, will you have patience for each other? That they're not going to live up to your expectations and always be in the light that you want them to be in. You're going to have to be patient with one another. They're not always the way you want them, how you want them. And they're not always going to stay where you want them. Amen? Come on, we, we know that. The moment you begin to advance yourself, the moment you begin to better yourself, the moment you can take a step in the right direction for your marriage and your family, a lot of the people around you say this number one statement, oh, you think you're better? And you start to move in a healthy direction. You start to move forward. And and they want you to remain where they first met you. But you can't remain because a stagnant Christian is a dying Christian. And that's not the blessed life. Because this series that we're on is living the blessed life. And today I'm going to talk to you about our next piece of the puzzle. But look with me in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. This is a very familiar scripture to many of you. It says this, no one can serve two masters. So automatically, he's declaring there's only two, and there's two houses. We talked about that last week. All of Proverbs talks about two houses calling, wisdom and folly. 
death and life. There's only two houses. There's only two ways. There's with God and without God. There's only two lives, the blessed life and the cursed life. There's only two directions. There's no gray area in this way. I just want to help you because I don't want you living in a lie. Because the enemy will hold you captive in a lie thinking that there's an in-between. But there's not an in-between. There's a cursed life and there's a blessed life. And that you're called, believe it or not, you're called to live the blessed life. Because the Bible says that Jesus died. And we, this is even on top of this sermon. But Jesus died. Why? Not just so that you could receive eternity. Did you know God is not one-dimensional? Not just so that you could receive eternity, but he died so that you could be blessed. He says in Hebrews, you, Jesus died so that you could receive the blessing of Abraham. And, and we don't have time to go into that whole teaching in the Old Testament, but I want to tell you, you're not meant to live a life of the cursed life, the bonded life. That's why God told him, when, when, you, when your children ask you, why do you go to church all the time? Why do you pray? Why do, you read, why do we read our Bible all the time? Why do we, why do we give to a church? Aren't they just in it for our money? And, and we're going to go ahead and say, okay, no, 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 no. Listen, young men, we weren't always living this life. Yeah. Mom and I weren't, weren't always this blessed. We, didn't come, we, we got saved by the Lord. The only reason we tithe and give and worship and go to church is because God saved us from the house of bondage and delivered us into the house of freedom. That is why I'm here today. And I believe that God's got a great word for you. And he says this, he says, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Everybody say mammon. mammon. I'm going to teach you about what mammon is, but you can't serve both. And let me tell you what a lot of Christians look like today. We, we think... You heard me quote that scripture in the Old Testament, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A lot of us as believers, we think it's God's job to serve our house. And somewhere in our house and in our family dynamic, he's, the, he's become the waiter instead of the head of the table. And uh, I know he got real quiet. That's okay. We're, we can remain quiet for a little bit. I'm just preaching a little bit. But uh, and I, I believe that we need to change that paradigm because we don't need God to be our waiter that we tip. We need God to be the head of our table. And we need God to set the table. And we need God to be in charge of the table, in charge of the dining, in charge of how we live, in charge of when we pray and when we eat, in charge of the whole order of everything in our home. And we're called to serve his house. He's not called to serve our house. We're called to come and serve his house. Amen. Can I get a good amen, church? Come on, don't get quiet on me. We're, we're called to serve. But l listen, this mammon means wealth, but actually it means something greater. It's a spirit. And that's why Jesus said you cannot serve both. So this spirit can be traced back to Syria, then into Babylon, and then back into the Tower of Babel, which Babel means, I want you to hear this, to be sown in confusion. So the spirit of wealth... Mammon was sown in confusion. Who is the author of confusion, my theologians? Satan, the devil. The devil is the author of confusion. So he is the author of confusion in wealth. And you're either going to serve one or serve the other. That's what Jesus is saying. And Jesus only mentioned this once, once. In fact, this is only mentioned once in the whole Bible, the canon of Scripture. Jesus said, be careful. You can only serve one, not two. And you got to choose because the one you love, you'll hate the other. And I think there's too much confusion when it comes to money. 
I think there's too much confusion when it comes to, oh, well, well, I don't know. And man, I get frustrated. I get fearful. Even as I said the word money in church, some of your hearts just, your palms get all sweaty. And you know, you're like, oh, he's going to preach about money today. I knew it. Honey, I told you this church was all about money. I knew they were going to talk. And, and you just, hey, everybody take a deep breath. Turn to your neighbor and say, chill. <laughs> it's all good. The only time anybody ever got mad about what Jesus was preaching were Pharisees. So we don't have any of those people in here. We've got wonderful people. And we're going to receive what God has for us. Now go to Ecclesiastes. In order to unravel the lie, we have to continue to speak the truth. There are over 2,000 scriptures on money in the Bible. It's taught more than communion. It's taught more than baptisms. It's one of the most prolific teachings throughout the entire canon of Scripture, and yet we do very little communicating on it. And so we need to receive the truth because the truth will set us free. I don't want to live for mammon. I want to live for God. I don't want to live the curse. I want to live the blessed life. I don't want to live for the devil and his confusion and be frustrated and aggravated and fearful and all of this garbage when it comes to money. I want to be free. I want to live a free life. So I'm going to speak some truth to you today. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, in verse 19, it says this, A feast is made for laughter, and wine makes merry. But money answers everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Now that could be confusing. How many thought money is not good? Right? Uh, how many? Th- I, I, we, we made money to be evil. We made money to be not good. We made money to not be an answer. But money is nebulous. Money is neutral. Money is not evil and money is not good. It all depends on whose hands it's in. So when it says money answers everything, what it's saying is thing. Everything. Money doesn't answer the supernatural when you need a healing for a tumor. Money doesn't answer the miracles of God. Money doesn't answer the spiritual, the supernatural, or even the emotional because our heart's not meant to be in it. But money answers things, and we have to be practical about this. Is that all right? That we have to understand that money does provide things. Money does provide things, and it's good. It's okay. Everybody say it's good. I feel like we're, we're going, I want you to stay with me. Money's okay. Money's not bad. Again, it's in, the, it's in who holds the money, right? But, but, but in Christianity, we've demonized money into making, oh, no, I, and you're so spiritually and heavenly conscious, you're no earthly good, and because you can't really help and you can't be productive and you, you can't provide things because money helps you buy things and it helps you go places, and, and it can be a resource to empower the kingdom, it can be a resource to empower your life. But in, in Christianity, we can't take the spiral to the negative and say money is bad. No, no, no. Money provides things. I want to show you another scripture. And then it says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 12. This is an interesting one. It says, for wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. Did you hear that? Wisdom is a defense as money is a defense, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. So first, let's just talk about money again. I know this is really tough, and and a lot of people don't like to hear about money at church, but let me just tell you, uh, money is a defense for you. Money buys insurance. 
Money, but money could buy a nice home. Money can do. Money can provide a defense for you. Money can provide protection for you. And and yet, some of us, because of how we've been raised and, and and how it's been passed down to us culturally, or through our family, or through whatever culture process that we've had, we tend to look at money in whatever light that we were taught it. Many of us, like me, myself, I wasn't raised in a home where we were taught about investments and diversifying and budgeting and Excel sheets and trying to structure. And some of you were, some of you were raised that some of you weren't. So the moment you got money, we didn't know really what to do with money. If you don't know what to do with money, you're going to spend money. So money is, it, it, it gets passed down like anything else. Some of our, our food habits, y'all know what I'm talking about. Your food habits from your parents get passed down and you're like, Oh man, I, my parents were, I was born in Maine we're from the East Coast, and my parents, you know, they're, they're wonderful, and they, they would always say, we'd do lobster and crab and all kinds of fish, and man, I love seafood. I, I, I crave seafood now because it was passed down to me, and, and even one of the, another thing, my father, we, there was three of us boys and one girl, and uh, my, because we tried to eat them out of house and home, I'm the small one. I'm the runt of the litter. My two brothers are six foot five and 240 and made a muscle. And so we just, I mean, we ate everything. And so we were growing up quick. And my father, he had this trick. So what he would do is he would go to the grocery store and, and, and he would choose, like if he had to buy cereal, he'd buy the one we don't necessarily like that much. And then he would, if it was a dessert, he'd do the same thing. And what he would do is these little snacks that we put in our lunches. You remember those, I think they still make them, the oatmeal cookies with the cream in the middle and the little snacks? Yeah, my father would buy those all the time. And I would tell him, I hate these, Dad. Why do you buy these? He goes, that's why I buy them. <laughs> he goes... Because if I buy what you like, you'll eat it the moment I buy it. Because we were just a garbage disposal. And he was like, you'll at least temper yourself with this. And so, but guess what? Because I only ate that, guess what I love to eat right now? Those oatmeal pies with cream in the middle. Because I built up an appetite and a craving and I, it, something was passed down to me. Parenting is passed down, right? I was raised uh, where we got spankings. I don't know what home you have, uh, but how many got raised in a home where you got spanked every once in a while? Okay, almost 100%. So I got... <laughs> I got raised in that home, and nowadays we got little timeouts for Timothy and his tantrum, but that won't help when Timmy turns 20, because Timmy needs discipline. Timmy, need, Timmy needs a balance. Timmy needs a, a, a boundaries. In fact, I hope you join our parenting class. It's not an aggressive thing. It's just to help you create boundaries for your little Timothy so that you can help guide him because we need to not just take the traits that have passed down because not all of them are good. Not all the cultural things that have passed down are good. Just because my family is angry and yells doesn't mean I need to keep being angry and yelling. Just because something was given to me doesn't mean I need to keep perpetuating the unhealthy balance that has been passed down. Come on, can somebody give me some good amens or yeah, I get it, I'm with you. Because you know what, this is where we gotta change. And when it comes to money, it's the same thing. It was passed down to you. It was handed down to you. How do you handle money? You handle it with wisdom. Because that's what he says next. He says, you gotta have, he says in fact, he says it first. He says you got to have wisdom first. Then have money. Because if you don't have wisdom first, and you get a lot of money, more money. Oh, y'all know it. More money. It's more 
than more. It's mo. And it's so much mo that it's oppressive. 70% of people who win the lottery are bankrupt within the first two years. The suicide rate amongst them goes through the roof. Astronomical. And it is crazy how the enemy just comes after them. You think money will solve your, if you think money will solve your problems, just get a little success in your hand and watch all the ugly cousins you never talked to all of a sudden want to be your best friend. And they want to talk to you and they want to help you find ways to invest your money. No, I, I love it because I watch people and their success and how God builds them up. And if you're successful in here, I want you to look at me because you're, you're my choir right now. If you've had some achievements in your life, some success in your life, that's when people have an opinion about your life. Oh, you should spend it like this. You get, more, you get more money, you get more success, you get more issues. More means more. Everybody say more. more. Yet we pray for blessing, don't we? Oh, God, bless my family. Oh, God, bless my children. Oh, God, bless my job. Oh, God, bless my finances. But let me write, write this down. Are you prepared to be blessed? Because so your number one prayer before you say, Lord, bless me is, Lord, prepare me. God, prepare me to receive a blessing. I don't need to be blessed yet. I'm not ready yet. My pockets ain't big enough. I need help, Lord. I need wisdom. I need wisdom to help guide me in this process because I'm not going to let the enemy stop me and destroy me because if he can't kill you with failure, he'll kill you with success. He's going to find a way, but you have to determine, I am not going to let this cycle happen again in my family. Every time we got money, it was gone. Every time something good happened, it was over before it started. Every time we got a tax return, it was gone before we could blink. Come on. It got quiet in here. Everybody's like, looking around. Not me. I don't know who he's talking about, but we're going to write their name on the wall too. We got to have wisdom. And this, is, this, is, this book is written by the wisest man ever to touch the earth. Do you think it's worth taking heed? Worth taking it some advice. Let's go to the next scripture. I got more scripture. We're not going to be able to get to all 2,000 a day, but we are going to get to a handful. Go to Timothy with me. Timothy chapter 1, or sorry, Timothy chapter 6, the end of First Timothy. First Timothy 6. In fact, I'm going to start in verse 5. I need to keep be quick with my reading. Useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means to gain. Now, now hear this. We think that some people think by going to church and by following God, he's going to give me. God is not a vending machine. Come on. Come on. God is not a vending machine. I'm going to say it again. God is not a vending machine. God, I prayed. You better answer. God, I gave. You better give. God, I did. So you better do. God, I, and we just treat God again. Where do we, in our home, do we, do we summon God like a waiter? Hey, I need more. Hey, God, come over here. Hey, God, I need you right now. Or, or are we treating God like he's the Lord of our table and say, Lord, I just want to get in alignment with whatever you have for me. I, I know I'm not going to treat you like you're just a, a, a bank account for me. What, what, how can you help me? Lord, I want to get, I want to get close to you. I want, I want to speak with you. I want to get in tune with your heart. 
So it checks our heart, which we're going to talk about. From such, withdraw yourself. So I want you to, I want you to write this down. Withdraw my heart from money. Withdraw my heart, just like you do from a bank account. Withdraw my heart from money. My, your emotions and your heart should never be connected to money. Because when you make emotion, how many know what I'm talking about? You ever done emotional eating? <laughs> I'm switching gears. Now I'm getting funny. Okay, so you do emotional eating, right? When we're just like, you're just like, I just need some chocolate. <laughs> or you're at midnight and you're just like, can't sleep. And you're, well, Taco Bell sounds great. <laughs> Might as well get those little, you know, churros too. And we do emotional eating or when we're frustrated or when we're angry. I know a lot of men who have unhealthy habits when they get angry. They medicate it, they motivate it, and they meditate on their pain. And they, instead of facing their pain and following Jesus out of their pain. And you need to understand that you're not here to medicate yourself with food, nor to medicate. How many, when you get a little upset, you do a little shopping, right? You're like, oh, just didn't. I'll, I'll, I'll confess. I, I, you know what? I'll be the first. Some, we, apparently, we're in a room full of Christians who don't know, who've never sinned before. But I... I like, talking to saint, I like talking to sinners who know what I'm talking about. Because when I get emotional, I'm like, you know what? A new pair of shoes would really, really make me feel good right now. And I just go, shoot, I just go looking on Amazon. I go looking. I'm like, oh, those are nice. Those are nice. And how many have a shopping cart if you do any of that? How many have a shopping cart full of stuff that you're like, one day I'm just going to click it and I'm getting all of it? If they push me, if my boss says one more thing... If my husband treats me, and you just, man, you're like, I'm going to click, and it's done. It is just, I'm going to make myself feel better. Right? Because it's emotional. He's trying to teach us. He's going to repeat it over and over. You're going to hear it again. Pull, pull, pull your heart out of your giving. When you come to church, and the only time you think about making a decision when it comes to giving to God, and all of a sudden you begin this prayer warrior. You become this person who's like, when the church says, hey, it's time to go ahead and give, we're like, well, let me pray about that, preacher. <laughs> oh, no, I don't pray about what I purchase, but I will pray about my giving. Oh, because, yeah, go ahead. Come on. My wife isn't the only one. Come on. Come on. You know what I'm saying. We're, 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 just, we're, we're, we're just caught up in this emotional response of giving. And, and it's funny how we think we're going to hear God. We pray to him when it's time, when he asks us to give. Oh, we'll pray. I'll take it home, Lord. And uh, uh, preacher, I'll just take it home and I'll pray about this and see what the Lord says, even though he's already spoken. And, and, and you're going to try to hear from God in that moment when you never pray about any other purchase. Because the truth behind great wisdom with money is praying about every decision with money. Because it should never be connected to your heart. Man, I, I know this is good preaching. At least I, I'm, I'm having fun. So then it goes from this. And he says this. For, uh, uh, now godliness. This is your equation. I want you to write this down. Now godliness with contentment, so godliness plus contentment equals great gain. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with all of these shall be content 
That's, that's where the provisional doctrine comes in. We don't teach a prosperity doctrine, and we don't teach a poverty doctrine. We teach a provisional doctrine because the provisional doctrine says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And every vision that the Lord casts for me, whether it's big, small, or in between, God will provide for it. That is where we stand in what the Lord is speaking to us. And then it says this, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare because their heart. And, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. I could just, we could stop there today. Is your heart attached to your wallet? To when every time there's an opportunity to bless somebody, to give to somebody, to pour into the church that the Lord has called us to, to tithe. Did you know tithe? This is where it's a heart check. It's an emotional check. The reason I tithe is because I got to check myself. The reason I put 10%, the first 10% goes to God, to the house of God and nowhere else is because God's saying, is this connected to your heart? It's me saying, okay, God, I'm going to do the test today. And some of us, during the test, we're expecting God, oh God, if you really want, we're, the bucket's passing, if you really want me to put it in there, I will, I will. but if you don't say anything right now, then I'm not going to do it. And we're like, did you know that the teacher's always quiet during the test? And he's waiting for you to be obedient before he speaks again. And he will remain silent in your life until you become obedient. And obedience is a test of trust. It's a test of trust to say, because I'm not tithing because it's, a, it's to keep the church strong. I'm tithing because it breaks the curse. I'm tithing. I'm worshiping God. I put God first on my Sunday because I'm breaking bondage. I put God first every time I get to come in here and worship him and praise him and put him first in every area of my life because I'm breaking what the enemy tried to hold me. I'm breaking the spirit of mammon. Come on, church. You got Somebody's got to help me preach because you know what? We're going to break that bondage. We're going to break it. We're not going to sit here. That's what we talked about last week. And I feel that many people have started taking steps and strides in the right direction. And they're saying, okay, Lord, free me. Okay, Lord, i got to come through this. Okay, God, you got to help me. And, and, and God is going to help you go and push through like never before. And you're going to break that spirit. And you're going to break that yoke that binds you. And, and you know what? Those of you who are saying amen and hallelujah, praise God and raising your hands and clapping right now, that's how you receive. Because the only way you receive is when you start declaring amen, hallelujah, let it be so in my life. Because you know what? That's how you war. That's how you win. That's how you receive. Because you got to start saying it. You got to start speaking it. When you do, that's how you fight against what you don't have. Because you're fighting with what you do have. I don't have everything, but I'm going to worship with all that I've got. I'm going to give the, all, everything I've got. I'm going to put God first in every area of my life. Because you cannot fight your Goliath on borrowed money. And let me explain that to you. Goliath needed to be beat by David, but he couldn't bar, take out a loan from Saul and wear his armor. And try to fight with something that he didn't pay for. 
try to fight with something that he didn't have a sacrifice in, something that he didn't use. But God had given him a sling and God had given him a stones and it didn't look like much and it might be less than other people, but I'm going to use what I do have. I'm going to worship with what I do have. I might not have a lot in my account, but I'm going to worship with what I do have. I'm going to worship with what God has given me. I'm going to clap. Come on, I'm going to clap. I'm going to clap because I believe that I know that I can clap my hands. And every time you let the enemy keep you silent and stiff-necked, you become like the children of Israel who did not want to get out of their prideful way. Oh, man, I'm coming out in the crowd, and my my camera team told me not to because it's hard to see on the stream. But I, I, I really feel like God is speaking to every single person in this house and both of our prisons streaming online right now that we're coming through something. Come on, church, we're coming through something. Something's happening. You feel like something's happening? Because there's something, it's more than an emotional response. There's a deep spiritual response happening. The Bible says that he is the wellspring deep within you, waiting to team forth. He's waiting to come forth, but you got to start coming through. you got to start saying, okay, God, where's the wallet? Do you have a wallet on you? Yeah, go ahead, give me your wallet. Yep. Like, there you go. Now I'm fulfilling every prophecy of preachers just want your wallet. Uh, that this is, this, is, this is what we do. This is what we do. As we get ready to close, and, and I don't have time to go in the other scriptures. I'm going to have to do it in the second service. But I, I, I'll tell you what. This is what we do. We, we, when we take our wallet, we say, you know what? You, you right here, the prophet of increase of my life will bow to my purpose. You will not be Lord over my life. You will submit to the Lord over my life. Every time I put my wallet down, every time I put my increase down, every time I put my what I do have down and put it before the Lord, that's when I say, you will bow before the Lord. No, I'm coming through. No, no, I'm not going to stay in bondage. No, I'm not going to stay under the curse. I'm going to live the blessed life. And some of us are satisfied with trying to look like we're blessed rather than living the blessed life that God has called you to start stepping through hallelujah oh it's handkerchief time Haggai I was going to read Haggai chapter 1 it says in the beginning it says consider your ways all you who are working and laboring and doing so much but reaping so little consider your ways Bridge Church Consider your ways. You're working more and gaining less. And God says, you, when you live in my house, under my roof, and put me first, you're going to do less and gain more. And I'm going to help you get through on the other side. And I'm going to bless you like never before. And I'm going to teach you a song. This is how it goes. You should have been there when I came through. Church was on fire. And the Holy Ghost too. From the top of my head, come on, touch your head, to the soles of my feet, felt the spirit moving all over me. Come on, give me a little beat here. Give me a little note that I can sing. I want you guys to sing this with me. Ready? One, two, one, two, three, four. You should have been there when I came through. Church was on fire and the Holy Ghost too. On top of my head, soles of my feet, felt the spirit moving all over me. Oh, come on. Come on, have fun. Smile at church. Here, help me sing, huh?
That's how you have church right there. I wanted to leave on a positive note. I wanted to leave you thinking that, that like you can do this. I wanted you to leave and knowing that you're coming through something. That God is with you. Keep that organ or that piano going. I, I, I'm going to tell you what. You're not meant to leave here thinking anything less than the very best of your life. Because the best life is your blessed life. And it's ahead of you. The rest of this year will be the best of your year. And God will continue to build you up. God will continue to give you increase when you put him first. God will continue to break the yoke that binds as you put him first and worship him. God will continue to magnify himself in your life. It's to his glory that he blesses you. You, Do you know it's profitable for God to bless me? It's profitable because the Lord knows when he blesses me, I'm going to bless his house. Let me ask you a question. The Bible says that he's searching to and fro, looking for those he could bless. Can, Can he identify you? Can he see you today? I want this to be a really serious question because I'll tell you what, God is looking for those who he can bless because it's profitable for his house. It's profitable for his kingdom. It's profitable to give you and bless you and take care of you because it's profitable for him. I don't know a single person who would invest in anything that doesn't have a return. That's just foolishness. And God's saying, I want to invest in you. Just like Jesus taught the parable of talents. He said he gave one, five, four, or five, two, and one. And I'll tell you what, the first two multiplied times, they did 100%. The last one hid his. And he said, wicked servant. What are we doing with what God has given us? What are we doing with this? Mike, you can have your wallet back. It's empty now. I did a little slide of hand. But I'll tell you what. We are not going to live under the curse anymore. Flagstaff has been known as a place where we battle poverty and we battle addiction, and that's done. I'm not, we're not dealing with it. We're going to uproot the enemy. We are not going to look at money as some evil thing. We're going to have wisdom and finances. We're going to gain interest in finances. God is going to bless us and bless us. That's exactly what he said in Deuteronomy 6 last Sunday. He said, I'm going to help give you houses you did not build. Land you did not purchase. Vineyards you did not plant. Wells you did not dig. God is going to bless you with things that you didn't even have anything to do with. And God is going to help you reap a harvest in your life. You're going to stand around and say, man, Josh, I feel spoiled. Harrison, I feel like, how did I get this? How did we get it? I didn't didn't ask for a free building. We're in a free building, debt free. And now we've already got plans on how to knock out walls, add more parking. God is going to continue to bless and increase for those who consider their ways. Lord, you're good. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we're coming through. Come on, if you're saying, if you're coming through, say, I'm coming through. I'm coming through, Jesus. Just begin to pray and close your eyes. And I want you to begin to seek the Lord. And I want you to get rid of doubt because doubt is a choice. Doubt is a choice. I'm not going to choose doubt. I'm going to choose faith. I'm not going to choose being a negative Nancy. I'm going to choose being positive. I'm not going to choose being a skeptic. I'm going to choose being faithful. I'm going to choose to step into what God has called.
called me to. And that is a blessed house, a favored house, a house of miracles, signs and wonders, a house of healing, a house of deliverance. I'm going from destitution to deliverance. I'm going from my poverty into my blessing. I'm going from the house of bondage to the house of freedom. I'm going from the house of the cursed to the house of the blessed. And Lord, we thank you that we're coming through today. You should have been there. People are going to continue to ask you how you got where you are and you're going to need to remind them why you go to church. You're going to need to remind them why you keep coming every week. You're going to remind them and let them know why you tithe and why you worship and why you pray and why you fast and why you're in the Word of God and that the Holy Spirit stirs you up because He is calling His people. He is calling His people by His name into His house and it's our job to respond to the voice of the shepherd and say, I hear and I know your voice, God, and I'm following you. Look, you're not here by accident. Every prisoner that's streaming right now, you are not streaming by accident today. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you've come to set the captive free in the name of Jesus. And I want you to hear me. Every guy in prison right now that's streaming, the enemy wants you to get back in an old cycle when you get out. He wants to keep you jobless. He wants to keep you homeless. He wants you to repeat the same vicious cycle and go back into the system. But that's not what the Lord has for you. There's going to be a job waiting when you come out. There's going to be housing when you come out. There's going to be freedom when you come out. There's going to be deliverance when you come out. And we're going to reduce the recidivism. And we're going to start turning empty prison buildings into churches. And we're going to start having revival in our state and in our nation. It's time to break the broken system and leave it to the side and start declaring the kingdom of God that is above every kingdom, that is above every name. And we're going to say the freedom of the Lord because you know what? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Oh, come on. Somebody give God some praise this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all feeling what I'm feeling? I, 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 may, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one, Josh. Am I the only one? Come on. Are you, are you feeling what I'm feeling? Are you feeling something? Something stirring, something different. And I know you're with me, Daniel. I know you guys are with me and you're in, in sync with me because you know what? This isn't a landed show. I'm going to step down for a second. And Josh, band is, or guitars, yeah, step to the side as much as you can. You're not here to pa uh, worship a pastor. We're not here to worship a platform. This platform is only a place of stature that the Lord has given us. And you're not here to worship a band. I want to give all Bridge Church, let's give God 30 seconds of unadulterated praise and worship and magnify Him because it's not anything other than who He is. Man, oh, ah, I almost want to have another service tonight. Uh, I, I feel like God is doing something and, and stirring something. I have to be obedient. Holy Spirit, continue to speak to me. God, I receive what you have to say and I will be obedient. You know, a word keeps coming to my mind about the rich young ruler. And Jesus told him to give up everything. And it wasn't that Jesus didn't want him to have anything. It's that Jesus had seen a hidden idol in his life. And he said, you idolize money. And he, he couldn't turn away from his wealth, so he turned away from Jesus. 
Sometimes we don't know what's in us until the Holy Spirit comes into our life and reveals. You don't know that your kids are an idol until someone pushes that place. You don't know that money's an idol until someone starts talking about it. You don't know that, that, that your marriage may be an idol, your stuff may be an idol until the Holy Spirit says, hey, will you let that go? Will you give that to me? There shall be no other God before me. And Lord, we thank you. Holy Spirit, I hear it. I, I, I hear it. There should be no other God before me. Every idol must come down. Every stronghold must be broken. We will no longer be bound by sin and shame and death and the works of the flesh and the works of the demonic assignment over our life. We will operate in our heavenly purpose and our heavenly assignment under the rule of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we will be free and I pray in the name of Jesus every idol be revealed in our city in our state in our nation and let it come tumbling down to destruction it cannot stand against the Lord of Lords the host of heavenly armies Lord in Jesus name we thank you God that strongholds come on if strongholds you need them broken come on if the devil needs to flee he's been pushing on you too far He's been pushing on you too much. He's been trying to stress you out. He's been trying to beat you up. He's been trying to take your marriage. He's been trying to take your kids. He's been trying to come after this ministry in this house. But the devil cannot win. The gates of hell shall not prosper. We're going to conquer. We're going to overcome. God has called us to be victorious. And Lord, we thank you, God, that no demonic assignment is greater than yours. No spirit greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're going from here. And if there's an assignment on somebody's home, it's gone. If there's assignments from the enemy on somebody's house and somebody's job, they got to be gone. In the name of Jesus, I pray this next months to come and the rest of this year will be the most prosperous, providing year that we have ever seen. Victorious year, fruitful year. In fact, Lord, I pray this right now. I hear you, Holy Spirit. I need to pray peace over somebody. I need Somebody needs the peace of God in the midst of your storm. And this is what the Holy Spirit is saying right now, that he will call your enemies as you continue to see be silent you're not going to speak against them as you continue to be silent and sow peace he said I will cause all your enemies to be at peace on all sides I will cause all of your enemies to be at peace on all sides of you. Some of you have been fighting and been battling and been struggling and the haters have come out of the woodwork because of what God is doing in your life and the more successful and the more God does and the more you gain, the more voices come against you and God is saying no, 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 no. No weapon formed against my children shall prosper. My word is everlasting. My word is too strong. My word is all powerful and the word of the Lord is peace that guards our heart. Peace that surpasses our understanding peace in this house peace in our marriages no more fighting and bickering come on some married couples need to start thanking God no more bickering and fighting no more kids being the prodigal running away time to come home time to come home time to come home Lord in Jesus name we thank you